you go back to our prediction episode last week, I would say this series is probably exactly where we thought it would be. You know, Leafs kind of get smacked in the mouth in game one, caught off guard, Habs play their style of game, and then come back, respond the way we know they can in game two. One thing that we didn't predict, though, was the John Tavares situation from game one. And we haven't, this is our first episode since then. We haven't commented on it. Um, take me through what you were thinking when you saw it happen. Uh, well, number one, like, worried for the guy himself. Like, that's that's just obvious. Like, obviously, like, head, head injuries are very serious. And he got absolutely leveled. Like, he got hit by a train. And, and to see him go down like that and to get up and the way he kind of keeled back, like, that wasn't... The keeling back part was like, that yeah, was like, oh, my God. That, that wasn't uh, easy to watch. And obviously, his health is, like, number one. But, I mean, I'm also a fan of this team. And hockey's got to go on. You got to play on. And... There's another, there's your number two centerman down and probably gone for the rest of the playoffs. And just one of the things that I kept saying last week was they finally have a fully healthy lineup. Yeah. They're finally going to ice a fully healthy lineup. And what was that? 11 minutes into the game. Yeah. Boom. And he's, you know, Kyle Dubas spoke to the media yesterday and basically said, you know, no structural damage, but he does have a concussion, which is like, he's done. Yeah. He's done. And he's got a sprained MCL in his knee. Yeah. And I'm with you. I I just don't see, you know, it's hard to predict head injuries. Yeah. Like there's no real timeline on recovery. Like they said, the, the MCL will take two weeks. It's the same injury that Hyman had. Mm -hmm. So it'll take about two weeks, but yeah, I don't, I just don't see a scenario where he is back at all for the rest of this playoff run. However long it goes. You see, you remember when Sid got clipped in the winter classic a couple of years ago and he was, he lingered with that for a long time. You can't, we're at a point in time where you can't keep, you can't take any risks with head injuries. Like he's done. Like even if he begins to feel better, you got to add another month to that because like, he's still got a couple of years left in his career. So like it sucks for this team. It sucks for the depth. It sucks for this whole playoff run, but, but he's done. And I was just thinking back uh, selfishly being like, well, here's another scenario where we're in the playoffs and we lose a top centerman that we're going to need to be successful. Alan Nassim Kadri getting suspended. We'll talk about two that times again later previously. Too. So it's like, a- great. Now we're now you almost forget that they were shorthanded in those Bruins series and they still made it to seven games without Nassim Kadri. Yeah. So it's, it's like, it sucks for the depth, but Man, I, I just hope uh, he can recover and be ready for next season. Okay, so let's talk about the games now. So I think the Montreal Canadiens are playing exactly how we thought they would. Slow the game down as much as humanly possible. Out, hit the Leafs, physicality up and down the ice, rely on Carey Price to make saves, yeah. and wait for your offensive chances. And that's how they won game one. Yeah. And... They tried, and I thought the Leafs, you know, were rocked after the Tavares situation in game one. And then I thought in game two, you know, the Habs jump out to the one goal lead and we're all sitting there going like, oh my God, no. And you know what? I thought they did a good job. And and one of their leaders all season for the last two seasons, Jason Spezza steps up, gets a big goal, gets them back in the game. And then they just kind of took over. And I think like, that's the difference. Habs took a lot of penalties in game yeah, two as well. Yeah. That that was a difference for me. Yeah. And I just think like if you allow 
the Montreal Canadiens to suck you into this style that they want to play, they're going to win. But if you play the way you can, it's if if you're going to line up like skill versus skill, it's not even close between yeah. these two teams. It's mm-hmm. not even close. So stay calm. Stay. You know what? You and I have been advocates in the past about like playoff hockey and don't let them push you around. And you can't do that. But at the same time, it's like that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to suck you in. Yeah. And you just got to stay out of it. Yeah. And another thing the Habs have been doing too is everything you said, but they're also kind of incorporating like a, a stretch pass yeah. that trying to catch the Leafs off guard to get those rush chances at the other end. They've done a pretty good job of doing that. But I thought in game two, the biggest difference was the power plays. Like the Leafs, what, what were they going like four or five in a row? And you're looking for those even up calls and it just never came. Yep. And I mean, how bad is your team? How bad is your team that you can't cash in on those power play opportunities? The Leafs finally did. I texted you being like, great, here's the story of the game. They're going to go 0 for 4 on the power play and they're going to somehow lose this game. But they found a way to cash in and win. And I think them taking advantage of those power plays was the difference. And there was no even up calls. They were on the power play for basically the second and third period. It seemed like, and I just thought at that point, the skill took over and then they ended up kind of dominating the game in the end. And then the first game, I didn't think the Leafs were that bad in the first game. No, I don't think they were either. I think they got, I think they got sucked into the Montreal game plan. Yeah. I I think they were okay. I thought they had a couple okay power play opportunities. Obviously they gave up the shorthanded goal. Uh, Rasmus Rasmus Sandin's speed got exposed in that when Paul Byron just blew by him. Um, I think Mitch Marner on the power play especially has been, I don't know what he's doing out there on the power play. I, I, I don't think, I think for a guy who sets up so many nice goals and is such a catalyst for setting up goals for this hockey team, I think he is just lost out there on the power. Well, play he's sometimes. one of the he's so I wanted to kind of move into like positives and negatives with you. He was one guy that I know was going to come up in this part. So let's let's do positives first, though. I'll go first. I think William Nylander has been excellent yep, in both totally of these agree. games. I think he he's stepped up. He his compete level has been fantastic. He's playing a playoff style where he's not he's not worried about style points. He's just worrying about generating offense, creating offense. Having Nick Foligno out there is giving him some space. I'm finding, um, and I'll use that to into my second positive. I thought moving Nick Foligno to the middle last night actually worked out. Yeah, and I thought that was a great decision by Sheldon Keefe and I also think you know Sheldon Keefe I think after game one he recognized that adding some of the elements like bringing in Riley Nash who I don't want to dump on Riley Nash like the guy the guy didn't play all year it's so hard you're seeing it with Hyman a bit too where it's like when you come back from an injury especially in playoff hockey and you're injected into like the intense high speed high intensity atmosphere of the playoffs it's hard so I'm not going to dump on Riley Nash but I thought Keith recognized that we need to we need some more speed in our lineup. So Galchenyuk and Engvall draw in for game two, which I think helped. But yeah, I think to me, William Nylander has been excellent in both of these hockey games. Yeah, I agree. He's been absolutely phenomenal. And uh, I know what you're saying with the guys being behind. It, it's we talked about this in our on our episode before the playoffs started that that third line it, it seemed like the shutdown line. But if you're a guy like Riley Nash, you're sitting on the sidelines for that long, yeah. man. It's hard to draw in. Yeah, it's really difficult to draw in. And then you have John Tavares go down with an injury, and then you kind of realize, okay, there there goes some of our scoring that we're going to rely upon. And 
we we have made comments about Pierre Ingval in the past. He draws in. Galchaniak draws draws in. I think that's all because speed number one and yeah. two they have the ability to chip in offensively. And I thought both of them created offensive opportunities in in game two. So. I mean, it's tough for Riley Nash. I feel bad for him because I think he's a really good player. But at this point, it's like you got to go with the guys who are who are fresh and the guys who are moving their legs right now. I've had some reps because he he looked a little a little behind in, in game one. Give me your biggest positive through the first two games. Man, I don't know. I think just the overall presence of Felino, Simmons, Thornton, Spezza. Yeah. I think that for me, not that they've changed so much at the, the results of the game, but you can just see when Wayne Simmons, Thornton and Spets are on the ice, like they're not taking any shit. No. And they're the veterans. Yeah. And then this, yes. and, and they're, they're clearing guys in front of the net. Like I think I love the most about this series. And this is such an old school take and all the <laughs> new school guys are going to roll their eyes when they hear this. But <laughs> whenever there's a hab in front of Jack Campbell, he is cleared yep. immediately. Yep. Like he is cleared out of the way immediately. And I think what made losing to Boston so hard was obviously the heartbreak in game seven, but you were getting your ass kicked while yes. you were doing yes, it. And yes. there, it was like, there's nothing they you're getting can bullied. You're getting yep. bullied while you're losing and yep. getting embarrassed. Yep. So that's what makes it so hard to watch. It get, makes me like sit at home and be like, I wish I was playing yeah. and I would give him a shove. And, yeah. and I just find that, even though the Habs are playing physical, whenever there's a crowd in front of Jack Campbell, it's, it's out of there. Yep. It's gone. And I think all those guys have done a great job of adding just that extra physicality. Like it got a little chippy there yep. for a bit the after end. the whistles. And those guys were in it the whole way. And Joe Thornton was in it the whole way. And I just think that has been my favorite part so far of the two games in this series. Someone needs to, I'm, I'm trying to not get emotional in my analysis, but I realized this last night. Watching game two, you do get emotional watching this. One, I would like somebody to do something about Ben Sherratt. He was the one who initiated the Tavares play with his greasy hit, which ended up taking out Tavares's knee. And the ridiculous Hail Mary desperate challenge last night from oh. the Habs. Pathetic. Yeah. Pathetic. Mark Bergevin. Oh, just, I just know. in the booth. Yeah. Great salad, though. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He did. Well, it's funny because Great they've hair. got um, Descharmes, who has the worst hair <laughs> in the National Hockey League, yeah. with Mark Bergevin, who quite honestly has the best hair yeah. in, Nash in the National Hockey League. So um, I want to hit on Jack Campbell, too. Um, just continuing to do what he's done since he took the reins from Freddie, making big timely saves. I love him. calming everything down. I love yeah. the guy. Yeah, I thought he was phenomenal in game one. I thought he made some great saves. Obviously, that breakaway it's it's tough. Like it's a breakaway. You're facing very good hockey players. You know, put the puck in the net, and it was just one of those plays. But I thought game two he wasn't challenged as much, but he just makes me feel comfortable. Yeah. Like at the end of the day, like Settles he just everything he down. makes you feel comfortable, yeah. and and I, I just really like. Jack Campbell, like yeah. he's really made me a big fan of his. Yeah. And I, I think he's going to continue to roll with it. It was one of my predictions going in. My predictions are pretty on point so far. Yeah, they I just, just want to point yeah, that out. They are. They are. They, you, uh, you called it. You called the losing game one and everybody yeah. freaking out. I called that. I called the third line being broken up immediately. Mm -hmm. I've obviously the Tavares injury was, a, was a factor in that. And, um, yeah, Jack Campbell was going to be solid. I mean, it's only two games, but. Man, I think so far that my biggest takeaway in the series compared to them playing the Bruins and the Capitals 
or even the Blue Jackets, even though I don't really count that one as much because five games is pretty tough. But I think when I'm watching them play the Canadians, even though there are points in the game where they are getting outplayed and you feel a little nervous, this is the first time where I believe that they're just the flat out better team. Yes, yes. So like even when they're getting outplayed and when things don't look good, I always have faith in this series that they have the ability to turn it around and, and almost turn into a almost start dominating them. And as they did in game two, because when they went down to the Bruins, it's like it almost seemed like they were always going to lose because the Bruins were just a flat out better hockey team. I just feel better because I know they are a better hockey team than the Montreal Canadiens. So even when things aren't going well, I'm trying to keep that positive outlook that this team could turn it on and be way better than this team. Any minute of this hockey game, you saw that in game two with um, the Matthews goal. Like at that point, it was pretty like the Leafs weren't yet hadn't kicked it into the next gear and Hole goes down and kind of does this like shot pass on Price and Matthews is there to bang in the rebound. And to your point, it's like the, you're one bounce away. Like, yeah. Because you are, you are so much better from a skill perspective that you are one bounce away. Yeah. All right. I want to talk about things that, um, I don't want to use the word like negatives. I just want to say things that we think need to be cleaned up going forward in this series. And I think for me, um, I, I agree with what you said earlier. I think they haven't been terrible in in they, they weren't terrible in game one. Excuse me, they were great in game two, but they played well in game one. It just didn't didn't go their way. I do think we need to discuss number sixteen, though. I um, you don't want to go too far into negative town, but there are some concerns. So here's my issue with Mitch Marner. You need to look. Something's not clicking. He doesn't get it. Like, you're in, when you're in a playoff style, and I know, like, you and I talk all the time about the debate about people who think that playoff hockey is different than regular season hockey, and you and I are staunchly in the camp of it is very different. And quite frankly, I don't know how you can argue that You're it's a complete not. idiot yeah. if you don't. Yeah. You're you're not watching playoff hockey. Like you, you don't all you got that. like look at the Montreal Canadiens and a team that you played and dominated for the bulk of the year and how they've completely changed their style in two games and just clamped it way down. It's like there's no space. It's way harder. You can't create. And Mitch Marner is the is a player who likes to create, right? But to me something isn't clicking in the sense that like you you have to uh, make adjustments and realize that this isn't the same as the regular season. Case in point, perfect example. Last night, game two, wide open net on the backhand. Mm. All he's got to do, all he's got to do is flip it in on the backhand, right? But it's Mitch Marner. So we we got to get our style points first. Yeah. So instead of just flicking it in and and adding to the lead, nope, we got to curl, we got to try and curl it back around and... <laughs> Tuck it in, tuck it in the and then do the yeah. celly behind the net. And it's like, to me, it's just like, dude. And one of the reasons why I've praised William Nylander's game is because I think he's he's dropped that. Got a rebound, scored. Yep. That's playoff hockey. Yep. Absolutely. Get it through your head, mm. please. Because you're such an important piece of this team. You're such an important piece of Austin Matthews' game and success. 
that we need you to figure it out and stop trying to stop. Just stop. Yeah. Stop. That's all I got to say. His game is time and space, and it's pretty clear um, that you you don't have as much time and space in the playoffs. Everybody knows that, and and I think he's just got to find a way to tweak his game a little bit to realize that sometimes when you make the the pass to the open guy, that open guy's not going to have the same time as he did before, and you're not going to have the same time to make that pass either. Um, like you said about the Matthews goal, it's, it's like Carey Price right now, you're not going to beat him like one-on-one. No. You're either going to, he's either going to be in great position or you're going to shoot it right in his chest, yep. or there's going to be a guy on you who's going to stick check you and that's it. Like the, the Spezza goal, he, he beat him clean on a wrist shot, but that's because it was kind of a weird play. Spezza was coming in. He, he kind of just found the puck and he took a quick shot, which is why he, he scored. But you look at all the goals are going to be kind of like banging goals. Matthews banging goal. Nylander's goal was there was a scramble and pucks were going everywhere and the, the puck found him at the point. And he just took a shot quick and that's what happens. It's just I, I, Mitch Marner for me, though, is driving me absolutely insane on the power play. I think for a guy who's so talented for passing the puck, he he's an awful power play quarterback. Yeah. Him and Sandine quarterbacking that power play, it's I think he should be replaced on, on the power play in his position. I just don't think he's not a threat to shoot so, at all. So so just to be clear, you're you're not advocating that he comes off the power play. No. You're advocating that he is he moves removed from the role that he's currently yeah. in. Yeah, I, I just don't like I, I think about the power plays. I think about McDavid, I think about Dry Two guys who are threats to shoot, who are who are kind of the quarterbacks. You look at Kucherov and Stamkos, both guys can pass, both guys can hammer the puck. Mm. You look at Matthews and Marner. Matthew, everyone knows Austin Matthews shooting the puck. Yep. And teams are figuring that out. Yep. And Mitch Marner is like the least threatening guy to shoot the puck in the NHL. No one's afraid of him at all. And then Sandine quarterbacking the point. He's been pretty good. But I mean, last night he clapped that one in. That was yep. that was nice. But they just need to find more options. I think William Nylander is a better option for that spot on Mitch Marner's spot on the power play. I had right one now. point last night where I, after the the backhand debacle that I just talked about, I had one point where I was so hot at Mitch Marner that I was like, flip him and Nylander. Like bring Nylander up and let Nylander play a couple shifts with Matthews and let's see what happens here because this is this is ridiculous. And I don't want to get too much on the hype train, but I think even Jason Spezza in that in that spot too could yeah. work. Because those guys, him and Nylander, have a shot. They can shoot the puck, and they can also pass. And I just think Marner, right now, he's a one-trick pony on that power play. And I just think he's kind of the the problem of why Austin Matthews isn't getting the great opportunities that he that he's getting on the power play. Because just like, okay, Mitch, like we'll just stand back here. You can you can pass. Well, you're not going to shoot, so whatever. I'll go cover this guy. You go cover that guy. And it's just, I just think his game. He just needs to to find that niche where he kind of balances his time and space with a little more playoff intensity and, and realize he doesn't have the same space as he did in the regular season. So we're heading into games three and four in Montreal, two games in two nights. You don't see that a lot in the playoffs, like a back-to-back Monday, Tuesday. Um, I think, I mean, it's pretty self-explanatory. I think, you know, you play the way you did in game two and you don't get sucked into the Habs game plan and you dominate puck possession, which they've done for the bulk of both games. And you just, you stop trying to do pretty little passes and you just bang in every opportunity you have against Carey Price, who has shown up to play in this series. He's Carey Price. Sure. 
They they scored four on him, but I think that he's been no, pretty he's damn good. good. He's yeah, he's been good. pretty damn good yeah. for those two games. So just keep doing what you're doing in game two, and they should be able to win this series, in my opinion. Yeah, they got to get pucks on net. Like, it's just as simple as that. Get pucks on net. Anything could happen in the playoffs. Scramble goals, second chances. That That's how you score in the playoffs. That's how you win. So, so two things I want to discuss quick before we get out of here. Um, I've been watching a lot of the other series around the league. And so a couple couple observations. One, the Boston Bruins just win hockey games. Sick. Win playoff games. That's what they do. They just win playoff games. And yeah. they get they get in your opponent. Like they're up and down in every head of every Washington Capitol player. And they've just been there before and they know how to win and they know how to intimidate. And you just watch them do it and it's it's crazy. Um, I think whoever comes out of this Canadian division is going to be at a monstrous disadvantage going to the States to play in these full buildings. You watch, you watch the, the crowds in like Carolina, that place is rocking and rolling. And what, what a difference it makes having people in the stands. Yeah. So I, I've been watching that, and I've been going, like, honestly, like, I don't even want to talk about the Leafs. I don't want to talk about any of these four teams. Whoever wins this division, yeah, it's, like, you, you got to go and you got to play. And it depends, like, because different states in the in the U.S. have different rules. So it's, like, some buildings are at, like, half capacity, and then you got, like, Carolina and Vegas, which are, like, sold to the rafters, and those places are rocking. So, yeah, well, we got to get there. Yeah. So, I mean, if they get there, I'll be pretty happy, mm-hmm. and I'll worry about it then. But well, yeah, yeah, no, I agree with you. It, you kind of forget the, and all those teams are so good. Yeah, like like yeah. the Bruins are good, the the Islanders and Pens are good, yeah. the the care the Hurricanes, the Lightning, yeah. the 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 Avalanche, Tampa. Like they're they're yeah. all just Tampa is just like good, the man. Florida Panthers won that division, and Tampa is just like okay, we're gonna play playoff hockey now, yeah. and they're up three one in that yeah. series. Kucherov comes back, yeah. and it's just like. Yeah, we're still the best team in, in hockey. I think that we'd also be remiss before we get out of here if we didn't talk about Nazem Kadri. Oh, um, buddy. Like, I think he's just a guy who gets totally caught up in the excitement and high energy and adrenaline of the playoffs, and he just loses control. Yeah. Eight it's- games. Eight games. And it made it made me feel better about the Leafs getting rid of him yeah. because that was the problem. Yeah. Like it wasn't so much about what he contributed. It's like when we, you needed him most, he was in the press box, mm. suspended. And he did yeah. it again. Yeah, yeah, he did it again. He did it again. On like a like, really, really stupid, it's reckless like, dude, hit. You too. don't need to to make that hit. Yeah. Like you don't need to do it. I get finishing your checks, but the guy just shot the puck and he's he's kind of in the in the slot between the point and the slot and it's like dude you could have just left that one alone you, lo- you leave your feet and launch yourself into him and nail yeah, him yeah, it, yeah. it's dumb yeah. It, it's it's really stupid and yeah. I, I i feel bad for him cuz i have a soft spot for naz obviously like mostly fans but it just shows you like the guy yeah you're right he just he just loses control in the yep. playoffs yep. he gets too excited he wants to contribute he wants to assert himself physically and he just always goes about it the wrong way yeah so, ah, man. In any event, we got back-to-back games three and four. Let's hope that uh, by the time we get together to do the next episode that we're in a favorable position. Thanks for everybody for checking out this week's episode. If you like what you see, head to our Instagram at Talking Buds Podcast. Like, subscribe, share, tell your friends. Every little bit helps, and we really appreciate it. We'll catch you guys next time.
do did will the story of people podcast is now available on the crier media network the first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories ready tara sloan from the san jose sharks undercurrent podcast at nbc sports Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holowaty from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Crier Media Network. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or at soundoff.network. 